Hello everybody, my name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be doing a deep dive on John MacArthur. MacArthur is one of the most popular pastors in the United States. A lot of people on the internet say he's a false teacher. A lot of people really love John MacArthur. I'm not a MacArthur bro. I don't hate MacArthur either. I also don't think he's a false teacher. I do think that this claim is kind of ridiculous. And we're going to be going into why I do not think he's a false teacher. And we're going to address why people say he is. We're going to address my concerns with John MacArthur, which don't amount to him being a false teacher. And then we're going to address his resume, quite frankly. It's a good time to point out some of his accomplishments in the fights that he's been in with e within evangelicalism. So we're going to do all that. But first, I want to highlight Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. We're also a discernment ministry. And we do topics like this all the time on is X a false teacher or not? I've been requested by a lot of people to do John MacArthur and I'm finally getting to it. And I didn't want to clickbait people. So I just wanted to be upfront. I don't think he's a false teacher. Uh, and this is why. So we're going to do this a little bit differently. But we're still going to maintain the same format of asking the questions and then doing a deep dive on the answers. So, not the first time we've made an exception to how we do this, but here we are. So, the most you can do is support this ministry at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. That's our Patreon-like system. It is the supporters of Evangelical Dark Web that get to determine who we do research on based on the tabulations of requests that we receive. If there's a tie, you guys break the vote. Um, but the least you can do is like this video, subscribe to the channel, to the podcast, if you are new. So, I've already explained the preface and the scope. Uh, let's just do a quick biography. <clears throat> John Fullerton MacArthur Jr. is an American pastor, author, and theologian, known for his extensive ministry and influential teaching within evangelical Christianity, Born in June 19, 1939 in Los Angeles, California, MacArthur has become a prominent figure in the Reformed and Baptist traditions. Now, I wouldn't necessarily... He's not necessarily Reformed himself. He's more Calvinistic. But he is very popular in Reformed circles, and that's just undeniably true. So, uh, we're going to skip... The rest of his bio, you can read it on evangelicaldarkweb.org. So, the first issue I want to talk about is Lordship Salvation. And this is definitely what you're going to see the most, I think, if you search is, you know, people who believe that John MacArthur is a false teacher on the internet. Lordship Salvation is an issue that comes up quite frequently on a search result. So the number one objection to John MacArthur that appears from websites that label him as such is the issue of Lordship Salvation. Lordship Salvation is a Protestant name for a theology that, that distinguishes itself from easy believism, which proponents might call free grace. Easy believism discounts the relationship between faith and works, perhaps as a polemic against the appearance of Roman Catholicism. Yet the reformers understood that salvation comes from grace through faith and that this faith is made evident in works. Sola fide 
is about the process of salvation, not about the role of works in the Christian life. Lordship salvation asserts that obedience is necessary evidence of faith, which is pretty orthodox, and that's going to be my ultimate conclusion. But just to re reiterate what I said, if you look at quotes from Martin Luther, you know, the five solas of the Reformation, Martin Luther believed that works were evidence of salvation and that were necessary fruit of a Christian life. But we're just talking about sola fide as the process of salvation, not the evidence of it. So, easy, easy believism lends itself to the idea that mere acknowledgement of Christ's work on the cross is salvific, or perhaps that saying the sinner's prayer once at a carnival is being saved. Lordship salvation arose to combat this notion, arguing that repentance plays a role in salvation. Those of easy believism would call repentance a work and therefore conclude it unnecessary for salvation. This is problematic as it leads to carnality. Peter instructed the believers on Pentecost to repent and be baptized, thus striking dead the notion that of mere acknowledgement is salvific. These commands to repent and be baptized are evidence that the conviction of belief is real, although Lutherans would argue for baptismal regeneration. John MacArthur being a Baptist is not a party to that belief. So, just being clear, um, there are some Protestants that do believe in baptismal regeneration. John MacArthur is not one of them. In conclusion, those who would label John MacArthur a heretic over lordship salvation take his stance against an orthodox position. So therefore, this is by no means a basis to label MacArthur a false teacher. Now, you might not like the name Lordship Salvation because you feel like it's adding to it. That's completely fine. This is just a new name for something Christians have always believed to combat something that Christians have not always believed. So, eschatology. Let's move on to that fun subject. In YouTube comments, the biggest objection to John MacArthur is his view on eschatology in that he teaches the elect may take the mark of the beast, and that is a perceived teaching, by the way. Yet despite this perception of this teaching, John, MacArthur fa John MacArthur's famous commentary in Matthew 24, 24, to mislead, if possible, even the elect, that, and he says, this clearly implies that sub such deception is not possible. So where does this perception come from? Several years ago, there was a Q&A session where John MacArthur was asked if taking the mark of the beast was the unforgivable sin. MacArthur answered that it categorically was not the same as the unforgivable sin, therefore forgivable. Logically, this argument is sound, even if the premises turn out to be incorrect. Phil Johnson concludes on the controversy, Taking the mark of the beast is high treason against Christ and will be judged by God accordingly. Meanwhile, the Lord is good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon him. Quoting Psalm 86.5 The debate does not appear to be posited as to whether Christians can take the mark of the beast, but that a pagan can take the mark of the beast and be saved afterwards. Perhaps it's a criticism of 
MacArthur's dispensational eschatology. John MacArthur teaches that the elect will not be allowed to be fully deceived, citing Matthew 24. In this, he also teaches that although believers can be misled, there are limits such as the limit such as the timing of the tribulation that Jesus places to protect believers. It may be logical to conclude that MacArthur teaches that it is impossible for Christians to take the mark of the beast given his teaching on Matthew 24, but this is not the argument that Phil Johnson makes in MacArthur's defense. So I am going a little step I'm going I'm putting logical conclusions together. Um but all of this is a long digression to the overarching principle of the evangelical dark web does not label people false teachers according to their eschatological eschatological beliefs, however wrong they be may, they may be, unless they amount to a false gospel. And see John Hagee for an example of that. Um, and also your belief on what is and what is not the unforgivable sin is also not a basis to label someone a false teacher or not. So eschatology isn't. And John MacArthur may be making sound arguments based on premises that are wrong, which I do not agree with MacArthur's eschatology. Uh, I'd be curious to see how it has changed, if it has changed over time. Because uh, a lot of early MacArthur sermons sound pretty doom and gloom. You know, the end is nigh a lot of uh, sermons like that. I, I wonder if that's consistent or not. Fake scandals. Well, let's talk about some fake scandals. One major classification of MacArthur's detractors is those who believe Julie Royce is a credible journalist. Julie Royce has gone after MacArthur for being a powerful man in ministry, which is the only consistent thread in her reporting. But since she has her eyes set on MacArthur, there's been three main criticisms. John MacArthur's wealth. We've already done a video on this, I, just to be clear. So I'm not going to focus too much on this. John MacArthur has an incredibly prolific ministry, including Grace Community Church, Grace to You, and the Master's Seminary. Compounded with the rising expenses of Southern California over the last 50 years and the assets MacArthur and the assets of MacArthur clearly e and easily make him a millionaire. The criticism was the topic of MacArthur's teachings against the prosperity gospel, against his lifestyle, yet this his hypocrisy doesn't actually materialize. Unlike David Platt, who recently bought his home from McLean Bible Church for $1.1 million, MacArthur does not preach a poverty gospel in response to the prosperity gospel. It's worth noting that Northern Virginia is also a high real estate value area while making this comparison. Moreover, MacArthur's views on tithing do not line up with prosperity preachers. So consider uh, this article from Grace to You. Um, quote, Today, many conservative evangelical pastors are reviving and promoting the practice of tithing. They argue that this Old Testament pattern, giving one-tenth of your income, is still a requirement for New Testament Christians. Unlike the crass form of indulgences, We've encountered thus far, the modern tithe has an air of biblical credibility. Tithing actually precedes the Mosaic Law and appears, uh, first appears in Genesis 14.20. Abraham returned from a victorious battle, rescuing his nephew Lot, and gave Melchizedek, the king of Salem, 
Salem one-tenth of his victory spoils. It's worth noting that Abraham's first tithe didn't come out of his own personal wealth. It came out of war spoils. So, after comparing legalistic pastors to, who preach on tithing to those who sold indulgences, MacArthur's views on tithings would be summarized as such. In his book, Whose Money Is It Anyway?, John MacArthur explains that tithing was an Old Testament form of taxation that, that supplied the necessary funds to operate Israel's theocratic government. He concludes the principle that of Malachi 3 does not apply to believers under the New Covenant. So a lot of prosperity gospel preachers use Malachi 3. Uh, John Hagee, Joel, uh, John Hagee, for example, uh, compared this to what he says about giving in a 2013 article, uh, greedily storing up wealth and resources limits their further, uh, their usefulness to your own selfish purposes. It's far better to surrender them to the purposes of God and reap tremendous blessing on, of being part of what he has accomplished in the lives of his people. So I'll just skip the rest of that and just skip to the conclusion because we've already covered this on evangelical dark web a few years ago the context of this article is that john MacArthur is using scripture to articulate a transactional blessing upon, upon giving and an appeal to readers to give the grace to you where john MacArthur apparently makes six figures giving to the church indeed helped support that the life of the church it is also worth noting that there is no fixed amount specified to give it's clear that John MacArthur makes a distinction between his teaching on giving and tithing, but it's also true, although unlikely, that a prosperity gospel preacher could have written everything that MacArthur wrote in these posts. Uh, we do know that MacArthur's personal giving, we, we don't know enough about MacArthur's personal giving to make an assessment of his character and therefore ministry. So that's really the limits. We can't really assess personal hypocrisy of John MacArthur, and therefore using his wealth as a means to call him a false teacher is biblically unsubstantiated. So did MacArthur cover up sex abuse? This is another one that comes up. Uh, Julie Roy's rehashed this supposed scandal, but the facts in the timeline do not substantiate a claim that MacArthur mishandled the situation. The timeline is as follows. And I'm not going to you know, go through this. Again, we have already covered this on the Evangelical Dark Web. But suffice to say that at the time that MacArthur's church practiced church discipline on Eileen Gray, they acted biblically with the information that they had according to both parties. So anything that came out about David Gray after this church discipline happened and came about after the church discipline happened. And I would also argue that the church discipline, even knowing what we knew now, is still merited. Uh, so with that said, even now, Grace Community Church has nothing to apologize for in, the de in, for in dealing with her, nor were they informed of anything that would later materialize. And again, some of what later materialized was done so on shady evidence. Such as, you know, kids apparently, according to the timeline, love spending time with their father after they visited therapy. They accuse their father of sex abuse. That, to me, is a shady uh, train of events. But, you know. 
not everyone's ready for the conversation on uh, therapy yet. So, opening his church during COVID, many of John MacArthur's detractors accused MacArthur of murder for opening his church during lockdowns in late July 2020. In this, MacArthur stood alone from his Big Eva contemporaries, yet MacArthur was in sin for shutting down his church, not reopening his church during lockdowns. This criticism of MacArthur is rooted in opposition to Christianity. So yes, if you think that locking down churches during COVID was biblical, that's evil. Uh, MacArthur was in sin for, you know, advancing a lockdown view, and we'll talk about that in a second. But he was not in sin for reopening his church. Uh, cessationism. So let's talk about cessationism. John MacArthur is an adamant cessationist, meaning he rejects the continuation of the sign gifts. John MacArthur has gone to great lengths to advance this view, including books, conferences, and several sermons. Yet the continuation of, of the sign gifts is a tertiary issue. It is not only well below the threshold of a gospel issue, it is also an issue Christians can disagree and be fellowship within a denomination and even a local church, especially if you're Baptist, you probably have some you know, very Pentecostal types in, in your Baptist church. It's a lot of Baptist churches do. It's also one of the most difficult theological positions to argue from Scripture. So John MacArthur's doctrine on this issue, if wrong, would not make him a false teacher. The fact that MacArthur is renowned for being perhaps, perhaps, means spirited toward the towards those who hold to the continuationist position is a legitimate cr criticism of his ministry, but it does not amount to legitimizing a claim that he's a false teacher. So if John MacArthur is mean about this issue, that doesn't make him a false teacher. Okay. Legitimate concerns. So now let's talk about some legitimate concerns with John MacArthur's ministry. Uh, but I don't think these amount to labeling him a false teacher. So, all this is to say there's not zero concerns with John MacArthur. Radical pietism, and that would be the summary of my concerns with uh, John MacArthur. Radical pietism is what I'm going to call it. A lot of it has to do with premillennialism. A lot of it has to do with anabaptism. And, you know, radical two-kingdom theology is a little bit more of a Presby term for this phenomenon. So John MacArthur is and always has been a radical pietist. Pietism emphasizes personal holiness at the expense of the world around the individual Christian. It is in a tight Venn diagram with radical two-kingdom theology and Anabaptism. So while John MacArthur is theologically sound on areas within the local church... His engagement within the sphere of governance has been problematic going back decades, specifically when he used his platform to attack pro-life protesters. So let's talk about his act, uh, opposition to pro-life activism. Operation Rescue was a pro-life activist organization that sought to forcibly stop abortions through protests. Indeed, this activism was so effective that combating it became the number one priority for the pro-abortionist. Yet John MacArthur in 1989 would go to the would be used by the liberal media to denounce Christian activists. So here's a quote from an LA Times article. This is liberal media. It was liberal back then. 
Others in, so here's a quote. Others in the anti-abortionist movement, anti-abortion movement, have a different view of God. On a recent Sunday at Grace Community Church, an independent fundamentalist church in Sun Valley, Pastor John MacArthur passed out a brochure to at least 7,000 churchgoers, quote from the brochure, In a sinful world, God has sovereignly given human government the authority to keep peace and order, not to institute Christian values, it read. He will ultimately judge all sinners, including those who murder their children. Dot, dot, dot. The church has never been called to prevent sin by force or intrusion, but to proclaim the gospel to sinners. This is dead wrong. Nothing in that quote from MacArthur was true. Other than the God has sovereignly given human government the authority to keep peace and order. And he's given them the duty to as well, I would argue. So Romans, to argue, you know, Romans 13 basically says what the government should and shouldn't do. And it is by Christian standards that we should judge what is good and evil that the government should be rewarding and punishing. So John MacArthur's quote clearly, you know, John MacArthur on Romans 13 is very problematic. He does not go to the lengths to exegete Romans 13 that he does go to exegete other passages. And that's a major problem. John MacArthur supported the arrest of Christians holding the cloaks for the police officers in his area to do so. Any sort of pro-life credentials of John MacArthur are severely undermined by this history. Christians have always viewed the civil magistrate as a means to fight the proliferation of sin in society going back to antiquity. The notion that churches do not play a role in preventing sin is is ridiculous on its face. John MacArthur's actions were utilized by the liberal media to attack Christians. MacArthur's friendly fire is a mark on his lifetime of ministry. That's 1989. Promotion of lockdowns. This all falls under radical pietism, pietism, by the way. Although John MacArthur famously reopened his church in 2020, he not only shut down his church, but his influence led many churches to comply with lockdowns. Phil Johnson is John MacArthur's consigliere. I think is how you pronounce that word. Uh, That's a word you hear in The Sopranos, by the way. That's what Silvio is in The Sopranos. Especially with online matters. During the time that Grace Community Church was locked down on its own volition, Bill Johnson was arguing about how Hebrews 10.25 did not apply their situation. J.D. Hall wrote of Phil Johnson's arguments at the time. Phil Johnson's, is, Phil Johnson's argument is that, and I'm not going to pronounce the Greek word, Forsake implies apostasy, not staying home from sacred Lord's Day assemblies. I'll first say that Phil's textual argument is 100% novel, so it's new. I can find no commentary or scholarship to support his point A, the definition of forsake, leading to his point B. This verse doesn't deal with weekly assembly. I can find evidence of a small minority view among some that Hebrews 10.25 is not speaking of the weekly assembly, albeit this view is largely stricken from major commentaries unless briefly mentioned and then rejected, as it is in Barnes Notes, who who credits the view to Christian Gottlieb Kuhnel 
an 18th century German theologian. Most importantly to Phil Johnson, John MacArthur does not include this curious translation in his New Testament commentary of Hebrews 10.25. In fact, I have double-checked for my own copy of the volume, personally signed by MacArthur himself. <clears throat> However, the minority view that Hebrews 10.25 is speaking to rank apostasy and not the Lord's Day abandonment is not tied anywhere or by anyone except Phil Johnson that I can find. To the translation of another Greek word. Rather, Kunal ties this belief to the translation of assembling, claiming that this speaks of Christian churches, the Christian church as a whole, not of the meetings of the church. Hall concludes of MacArthur and Johnson by stating, even if they will not change their view, I would be far happier if the good brothers at Grace Community Church would admit that they struggle with the decision to civilly disobey because they are products of a certain Southern California statism. It is not scripture that leads them to ping-pong their decision to open their church, but is more likely a Californication of their theology. Truth be told, they are reading their own culture into scripture far more than anyone who applies Romans 13 to the American form of government. So that was written by J.D. Hall of Pulpen and Penn at the time in, I believe, May of 2020. So while MacArthur's church is closed, that's when that was written. And MacArthur can be lumped in with Phil Johnson because Phil Johnson is basically the guy who defends MacArthur online. Hall attributed Southern California statism to MacArthur's church complying with Gavin Newsom, yet this is more accurately reflected in the MacArthur bros being the spiritual successor to the Anabaptist. As the Anabaptists were unsuccessful in their attempts to manifest their eschatology during the Reformation, they decided to withdraw from broader society in America, we see this trend coming after the Civil War with the rise of premillennial eschatology and later dispensationalism. MacArthur's theology, although not classically reformed, is a mesh of Calvinism and what he calls leaky dispensationalism. Yes, it is the same line of thinking that led Todd Friel of Wretched Radio to make the absurd argument that you would be in sin for not complying with a government mandate to wear pinwheels on your head. So let's talk about association with false teachers. This is something I cover on a lot of verdicts, but it is never a means to label someone a false teacher. With rare exceptions, if two people are yoked together in ministry, that's different. You know, Chris Vallotton is yoked to Bill Johnson at Bethel. You know, that is yoking. That's not association necessarily. That's beyond association, I should say. John MacArthur has been a vocal has been vocal in the fight against critical race theory and more broadly the social justice gospel. Yet he would platform a wolf such as Ligon Duncan not only at the Masters Seminary but also at conferences hosted by hosted at Grace Community Church. The evidence was overwhelming at the time that Duncan was extremely woke. So to a lesser extent. MacArthur also platforms John Piper, who is also 
woke and has a history of obfuscating critical race theory. It's worth noting that Piper has not been found to be a false teacher yet by Evangelical Dark Web. Well, we give him a high warning, so I would avoid John Piper. As I also don't like John Piper, I don't think there's anything there. Like, I don't get it. I don't think he's very smart. So I've never read a John Piper article and said, wow, he's intelligent. Quite the opposite, actually. So let's talk about John MacArthur's outstanding resume. John MacArthur has been in ministry for many years and has been a theological heavyweight for decades. MacArthur was one of the original signers of the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy, fighting for a key doctrine. This was a major 20th century battle that MacArthur faithfully faithfully served on the right side. Echoing his participation in the Chicago Statement, MacArthur would also be one of the initial signatories of the Dallas Statement on Social Justice and the Gospel in 2018. Moreover, after reopening his church, MacArthur would be an initial signer of the Frankfurt Declaration in 2022. John MacArthur has faithfully fought on the right side of many key battles facing the church and mobilized his platform to do so. So, conclusion. John MacArthur's ministry has been characterized by a strong commitment to the authority of Scripture, of the Bible. He is widely recognized for his expository preaching style, systematically going through passages of Scripture verse by verse. In addition, his pastoral role at Grace Community Church, he has been involved in various teaching ministries, including the Grace to You radio and television broadcasts. One of the marks of a false teacher is decadence, in that they get worse over time. Christians are sanctified, therefore get better over time. John MacArthur's ministry has gotten better over time, which is the opposite of what was demonstrated by his contemporary, Tim Keller. Tim Keller got worse over time. Why? Because he was a false teacher. Although MacArthur's theology is not without flaws, He is within the bounds of orthodoxy, and therefore we would conclude that he is a biblically sound pastor. So, that's all I got to say about that. Those are my thoughts on John MacArthur. This is the Evangelical Dark Web. Have a blessed day. We will catch you on the next one.